Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer. Baron Bears fans, what's good, Chicago? Here for a Thursday edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Pat the designer, Courtney Cronin, as always, keeping it fresh, keeping it solid, making sure that you're getting this top tier Bears content. Courtney, what's going on? How are you feeling today? Nice Thursday yeah. afternoon. I've I've been getting fried by everybody ever since you said uh, the shower phone is weird. I mean, it is a little strange, but like I can't shade. The idea that phones are convenient, that phones are helpful, because I currently am using my phone to do this podcast because my computer decides it wants to stop charging and stop working. So um, that's later Courtney's problem. But right now, I am very much appreciating this phone. And I can understand because it is so handy and there's so many great things you can do with it, like why you would take it into the shower. I still think the shower TV is a little weird, but um, that's just where I stand on that. You've never had a show so good you couldn't pull yourself away from it, so you just had to take it with you. You know, I believe we call that a DVR, Pat. <laughs> there are many, hey. many ways we can watch shows at whichever time we want to watch them, but you do you. <laughs> hey, we got a good episode here. We are going to be picking our top five players, basically in a draft style, that are going to be important to the Chicago Bears season. At the end of the day, you guys can let us know in the comments. Who had the better roster? Who ends up with the better roster? We're going all the way, though. This is the fun part about this. We can include coaches. We can include executives. It's really just top five most important people to the Chicago Bears organization moving forward. We'll be talking about that today on the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. Drop a bird on if you're in the building and showing love. We appreciate you guys for showing support as always. Courtney, seeing as how... You are a guest on our show, even though this is kind of just like your regular thing to do now. (laughs) I will allow you to have the first pick. Okay. And you know where I'm going with this, and I know that we can't do any sort of repeats. That's fine. That's fair. Yeah. But everything hedges on this player, and I would be foolish to overthink this. This this is not akin to people saying, oh, Victor Wembanyama, maybe he's not so great. Maybe he won't be a generational talent. Maybe he won't, you know, pan out in the NBA and trying to, like, you know, sway the San Antonio Spurs and what they're going to do tonight in the draft and not draft him. That's not happening to me. That's why I'm taking Justin Fields, my first pick in our draft, because everything hinges on the success of the quarterback in the NFL. I have seen teams. I have covered teams. We've all watched teams that have great elements away from the quarterback position, but might be a little bit underperforming at the quarterback position or might have a ceiling on their quarterback. And we've seen those teams only go so far. When I covered the Minnesota Vikings in 2017, they had the number one defense in the NFL and Case Keenum got them, you know, managed them, managed his way to get to the NFC championship game. But quarter, yeah. quarterback play is what was their downfall in that game. And I just take a look at like how great teams have been built and the teams that have done it right. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles, last year's Super Bowl, last year's Super Bowl teams. They ended up getting the quarterback spot right. So if the Bears can get 
Justin Fields to a, a point where he is their franchise guy, which we still we believe he has the capability of getting there. We haven't seen it though. We have not seen it just yet to be able to bank everything and say, okay, like that he is their guy going forward. That's why this year there's nobody else inside Hallis Hall who's more important to the success of this franchise than Justin Fields. And if things pan out correctly, the Bears will fall into that category, likely, of other teams that have been in this spot before, finally got the quarterback spot right, and then everything else kind of falls into place beyond that. I can't be mad at that pick. I mean, listen, Justin, is, obvious he, he feels, I get it. Like, but it, it's, it, it, it's obvious, but that's what, listen, you're supposed to go obvious with the first overall pick. I hate when mugs just are like, like it was, that was the year, right? When the bulls had Derrick Rose and everybody was like, but Michael Beasley, it was like, Michael Beasley should have never been in the conversation. He was cooking in college. I will say that. But mugs were just like, you need that dynamic wing. We've never, we haven't had a dynamic wing since Scotty Pippen. It's like, go get Derrick Rose. Who's the best player in the country by far. And don't screw this up. Oh, by the way, he's from the city. The NBA literally gave you the script and was like, just go get Derek and we won't say anything. Uh, for me, I'm going a little different direction. My first overall pick is uh, somebody who I need so that I can find my Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. I'm going Ryan Poles. Okay. I'm taking Ryan Poles' first overall pick. I think he deserves it because I, I like how he's methodical in building his plan. He's bringing a team with him. That, you know, you can take Ian Cunningham if you want, but uh, you got to go through Ryan first. You know what I mean? I, I think that uh, he, he's stuck to his guns on a lot of stuff. There have been opportunities and pieces in place that he could have gone and got or just re-signed, right? Re-signing Roquan Smith. You hold on to Khalil Mack. That team last season probably could have been a 7-8 win team. But what is that realistically giving you? He's followed his plan. He trusts his plan. He trusts the, pe- trusts the people he has around him. And I believe that if I'm going to find my version of Justin Fields, I have to have the guy who's got a plan to get me there. First pick for me, I'm going Ryan Poles. And I just think he everything starts at the top. It sets the culture. We we look at the craziness last night with the the uh Boston Celtics traded for Christos Porzingis. We think it's a done deal. All of a sudden they come out with two first round picks out of nowhere. It all starts at the top to be able to keep your team moving in the right direction. I think that's the best place to go for the Bears in this early on. Yeah. No, I mean, I I agree with you. I think that that's the next no-brainer sort of pick because you have somebody who has a plan. And in order for the plan to work, you have to stick to it. You have to stick to your convictions. And he's done that every step of the way. He's made some really hard decisions throughout, you know, even this offseason. Standing pat and saying, no, we're not going to go give Mike McGlinchey. Uh, we're going to stay firm on our yeah. on our end. I believe $17.5 million, $18.5 million, uh, whichever he earned from, from Denver. Said that's too much. So we're going to pass on that. And we're going to go use the number 10 pick that we have in the draft on a right tackle. And passing up the defensive tackle market because they found those guys in the draft for far cheaper and guys that they can, you know, draft, develop, and, and play both interior positions. They've they've made some hard decisions but they've also made some good ones too so along the way if you don't have a general manager who has you know seen a team go from like 32nd in the draft to first like you did with kansas city i think that you lose that perspective if you haven't had somebody who's gone through that and now he's trying to build something sustainable so i very much like could understand why anybody would pick him uh early on so i mean if you if you ended up i would probably have done the same thing if you took the first overall pick (laughs) <laughs> he went fields. I probably would have gone polls with my second pick. 
you got to i think i think that that's just there's there's been so long especially with the bears organization where it's just been it it always ha- it hasn't always been the talent that's on the field it's been the guys making the decision on what to put around the talent on the field and for the first like my biggest gripe with Brian Pace isn't even his draft record. I know Trubisky's horrible, but it isn't even his draft record. It's just his inability to go out and get the guy that's going to make the guys that you drafted high better. Mm-hmm. Right? You draft Mitch Trubisky, and your first decision is let's go get him a wide receiver. How about we get somebody on the left side that's not going to get this guy killed 18 plays out of the game? How about we replace Kyle Long, who's been a great bear, but I mean, at the end of the day, getting a little long in the tooth over there, keeps getting hurt every year how about we start building up this offensive line i think that ryan poles has done an excellent job with that uh courtney second pick is yours i guess third pick overall but yeah. your second pick where are you going with the second pick so i'm gonna stay with the theme of offense and again this one is i promise you picks three through five are going to be really interesting but this one another no-brainer it's dj Moore because yeah. they don't spend you know, the offseason trying to find the perfect trade partner for the number one overall pick if DJ Moore wasn't available, if he wasn't able to be packaged uh, along with, you know, the future draft capital and then the number nine pick in the draft this year. Like, he's so important to how this offense is going to work. And for him to be the security blanket that Justin Fields just didn't have last season is critical. He's somebody who adjusts to whoever his quarterback is. He's played with eight. He played with eight of them in Carolina, and he still produced. He still had three seasons of 1,100-plus receiving yards. He still had a career-high seven touchdowns last year. He's a tremendous talent for a team that's really struggled to find talent and sustain talent at the wide receiver position. So I look at DJ Moore, and I see somebody who – at this next phase of his career, at 25 years old, soon to be 26 years, you know, eventually will be 26 years old, um, you know, by the time the season gets around, like that's, it's critical where he and Justin Fields can be synced up on the same timeline. Fields yeah. will be before the season, uh, you know, he and DJ Moore, if all goes according to plan, you have that tandem. Like another piece of off-season content that I love seeing, because I see it everywhere, is like best, best, best tandems in the NFL. Yeah. That's one we talk about, and oftentimes it is the quarterback-wide receiver tandem and or tight end in the case of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. But when you have those two pieces, the quarterback and his biggest playmaker, when you can solve who that playmaker is, then you have an offense that at least is capable of scoring points and of moving the ball, yeah. moving the ball and then scoring points. So I, I think that DJ Moore – is not just going to bring a level of like explosion to this offense because we know we've talked about his speed ad nauseum. We know that he has an ability to separate that's second to none. But what what that helps is because you know there's going to be a lot of attention drawn to him on that side on whichever side of the field he lines up because he is such a dynamic, explosive playmaker that defenses naturally are going to want to slow him down. When you have somebody who has that trust with the quarterback, which is what we saw them build during minicamp and OTAs. Like there's ways around that, and that's going to open up so many other things for players, other players on offense. Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, and and certainly, you know, giving them opportunities if more is getting more, you know, more attention. So I, I think the Bears, like when they look back at this now that they have a little bit of time to kind of rest and recuperate before training camp, you solved one of the biggest equations, and it wasn't 
having to overpay for a DeAndre Hopkins or get in the yeah. sweepstakes for somebody who might not be, you know, might not be the best fit for what you want to build longer term, even though I think still the DeAndre Hopkins thing, if you ended up here, that improves the receiving core even more. But you have somebody now who's going to be part of what you're trying to build long term, who's played a lot of football and has been, you know, a top 15 receiver throughout the last few seasons. A hundred percent. I was very surprised to not see him on uh, NFL.com or is it? No, it was CBS's uh, top 100 players in the NFL. Very surprised to see him not on that list of players. But uh, I, I think D- DJ Moore is just going to be such a he, he has such an ability to very much like Justin Fields, right, where it's something you always have to worry about, where there's that extra burst of speed. Mm-hmm. So you can't just sit there and play up on him. He's strong as heck as well. So it, it, and that that all goes into it. But when you have that one thing that the guys on the other side have to always be like, okay, like I can play this perfectly and he can just be faster than me at the end of the day and I end up getting killed on this. I think that that gives that defense that split second of, should I do this? Should, should, should I make this decision? Should I should I go this way? And that split second is all that DJ Moore and Justin Fields need to make something big happen. So I I, I can't be mad at that. Uh, I, I love the. Uh, it, it's tough because right now I got a I got a GM and you got two dynamic playmakers. So uh, I need Ryan. I need you to go out responsible at least for one of those dynamic playmakers so i think you still had a very good i'm I'm gonna hype up your first round pick i think it's still a very good one but i'm excited to see where you go here with your second so number four overall my fourth overall pick i need the quarterback of my defense here i gotta take tremaine edmonds he is an absolute dog i think that tremaine edmonds is going to be one of those players that we talk about in chicago bears history as the linebackers that were the linebacker of the next generation of mm-hmm. defenses. Tremaine Edmonds, to me, I, I think Bears fans underestimate how much impact he's going to have, even without top-tier pressure on this team. I do think the Bears are looking to add some pressure on the quarterback. I think there'll be more pressure than last year. It's dang near impossible to not have more pressure than last season because um, you had none. But to me, I look at Tremaine Edmonds as a guy who, He can do everything. He's the guy where he has enough athletic ability and agility to be able to make up for the mistakes of others. I think that he's a guy that's going to be excellent in coverage if we're not getting that pressure as much as we would like in a game. I also think that he's a guy that, I mean, like, as a middle linebacker on this team, as a leader, as the guy that's going to be teaching that, okay, this is where we got to be. I need you guys in order. We've already heard about him as a vocal leader on this defense to this point, just in OTAs and minicamp. I love the fact that he showed up to OTAs and minicamp, came in, instantly made his presence felt. Every And, and my favorite thing, <laughs> this is always my favorite thing with all the players that we hear about. When people come back and they be like, he's bigger than I thought he'd be. He's like 6'5", ain't he? he? He is. And like seeing him in person... <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, man, like that's a pretty, that's a big linebacker. And sometimes yeah. the natural inclination is, well, if you if you're that big, you might be a little stiff just playing that spot. He's not that at all. He's very athletic, like he's long, he's got range, and, and that's what your number one overall pick, Ryan Poles, along with yeah. Matt Eberflus, like they made it so clear that they were going after traits of guys. Like they wanted everybody to fit the same athletic build. Um, and have the same like athletic makeup. And that's why at Tremaine Edmonds, when you see somebody with that size length, then you go across the defensive line to the players that they just drafted and say, okay, size, length, athleticism. You go back to the, the, the 
you know, the secondary, you see Tyreek Stevenson, yeah. size, length, athleticism, like all these things show up. And I just, you know, the character stuff too. I mean, he was calling defense from a pretty, you know, young part or early part of his career yeah. in, uh, in Buffalo. And that's a role like with, you know, for him to be able to communicate when there's so many moving parts like that's critical um, to have somebody who's done it before and have somebody who's done it really well. So yeah, I, I don't think that it's, you know, it's definitely not a, like uh, it's not far fetched to call him the captain of the defense because typically that position is, and when you have somebody who's played as much football, he came into the league very, very young. I think he was 21 yeah. might've like just turned 21. So he's played a lot of football since he was drafted, uh, you know, in they in 2019 so i mean it's it's remarkable how good he is and like how much experience he has and he's still like very much at the age range of the players that the bears want to bring in and say okay we're going to build around this core that are about to be that you know the second contract guys guys who are about to be in the second contract the 25 yeah. year olds more or less and he's now part of their vision going forward and could very well change what they do defensively and the success that they have defensively this year. And I think people underestimate how much he's going to be able to help the rookies on the line. How many times have you seen that middle linebacker be like, hey, oh, you need to move over like two feet. You're going to kill this guy right here. Like, oh, they're, they're running this. Hey, hey, slide over here. Like, we saw that all the time with Brian Urlacher on this defense, putting guys in the right position. He is that when Muggs say the quarterback of the defense, I think everybody always thinks, okay, he calls the plays. He's leading the huddle. No, there's a lot of times where he's literally just saying, hey, play up, sit back. Okay, we need, all right, let's attack here. Like, he's got to do so much. And I think that. He's his time in Buffalo showed me that even with how young he was and listen, heck of a defensive line in Buffalo, it makes it a lot easier, but you still got to know how to call those plays. You still got to know where guys need to be. You have to know everything that the offense is thinking while understanding what calls you need to make. I need a guy like that on my team. So I'm good with that at my at the fourth overall pick. We got a heck of a draft going here. Uh, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Hit that like button. We got the fifth overall pick coming in here. Courtney's third pick. Courtney, where are you going here with the fifth overall pick? Where are you trying you, to attack here? You keep mentioning something that's like, you know, making my wheels turn about how I want to handle this pick with like the lack of pressure that this team got on the quarterback last season opposing quarterbacks last season and it's not oh well they've got to double down and you know expect that Jaquan Brisker is going to lead the team in sacks again it's not that Ryan Poles has to draft or has to go after a defensive end I think that this defensive scheme needs some changes to it especially with some of their pressure packages and how they get after the quarterback so it's a combination because remember this is Matt Eberflus's defense, but he doesn't call the D. De- like he's not a, he's not calling the defense on game day. It's Allen Williams. So the combination, like be, of of those two, Matt Eberflus and Allen Williams, to make defensive yeah. tweaks to this defensive scheme because the pass rush, not it's not just the players and like maybe some of like the talent gaps that they have at, on those you know at, along the along the defensive line with their pass rushers, especially off the edge. It comes down to the scheme needing to change to adapt to, you know, the in the sliding of protections and, and not having the same rush plan every single time that it's, a, you know, first or second down or some of the earlier downs that are passing downs. I just think that it got too predictable at times last year. And, of course, if, if you don't have the talent to overcome that, that can be really difficult. But this offseason, and we haven't heard Matt Eberflus or Alan Williams talk about any of the changes that they're making defensively, 
um, you know, more than just personnel. And of course, coaches aren't going to tell you what their scheme's going to be, and you have to wait to see it play out in training camp to see who might be utilized, you know, insert, you know, who might be utilized where, how they're trying to, right. uh, you know, combat like some of the, uh, you know, holes that they still have on this roster. I think it starts with scheme, though, and I think that there are parts of this scheme that need to change defensively, and that Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams have to have a meeting of the minds to figure out how they can modernize this scheme, because he wants to get pressure with his four, Eberflus's philosophy came from Dallas, he wants to get pressure with his four down linemen, that's great, but you've got to make it so their jobs are not made as difficult, even if they do still have a void that they, you know, have yet to fill uh, the edge rusher position. So wait, who who you you going both of them? You taking Flus and not, Williams? I know it's a little unfair because <laughs> it's like two people, but it's a, a like because it, that's the thing we don't know. Like how many yeah. tweaks can Allen Williams make? How many tweaks Matt Eberflus going to make? I guess it would just be at the collective defensive minds of those two. Like I told you, I'm going a little unorthodox here because <laughs> if I was taking like Matt Eberflus, I can go a number of different directions with that in-game decisions, yeah. challenges, timeouts. Um, leadership, the hits principle, the whole thing. But I'm just going strictly defensive. The, the two people that are responsible for just making adjustments to the defensive scheme. Can we allow that? Are we allowing that? I don't know. If we, uh... it's, it's our podcast. I think yeah, we can... yeah, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. All right. It's our podcast. We'll allow it. <laughs> so we're going defense. I don't even know how to throw that in there. Defensive side of the ball. How about defensive coaches? I'll allow it. Defensive coaches. Uh, third overall pick. Oh, <laughs> is, is Eric jumping in to say something? I heard. I heard the click. I don't know. Uh, defensive coaches. Okay, I, I think that's that makes sense because to me, the defensive side of the ball, we know what Flus wants to do. It's about this season. Is he going to have the talent to do it? I have a ton of questions on Allen Williams because to me, last season, I feel like the scheme let down a lot of plays at times. I feel like the play calls on the play let down a lot. And But also going into that, right, there was just, there wasn't enough talent on the field. There wasn't enough pressure on the quarterback. I do still have a ton of question marks with what Allen Williams is going to be able to do. But I do think with better talent, at a minimum, he will look better. And I do like that Flus has kind of handed off those defensive uh, duties, the defensive play-calling duties to him. I, I thought that that was the biggest thing. First off, that was the biggest change from Matt Nagy to Matt Eberflus mm -hmm. that there could have been, where he was like, I have to watch the team. I'm not, I'm not calling the offense. I have to watch the team. So uh, we'll allow it. Y'all let us know in the comments below if I should have allowed it. <laughs> Let's go. I'm going to go... Uh, this is tough, right? Because because now we're getting into the nitty gritty of okay, who are the other players that are proven on mm -hmm. this team? I believe, but for me, I think third pick, sixth overall pick here. I'm gonna go with the unproven guy because I believe in his game that much, and I am a big believer in dominating in the trenches. I'm gonna take Darnell Wright. I think Darnell Wright's going to be so important 
to what the Chicago Bears have to accomplish this season. I think that more so mindset is going to be important. And, and that's the one thing about Tremaine Edmonds that I love. The one thing about Ryan Poles that I love when he got here, he said the mindset of this team has to change and that, you know, we want offensive linemen who are going to be nasty, who are going to protect their quarterback. We don't want choir boys on our team. And I think that Darnell Wright's got a little bit of enough of a screw loose that he's not a choir boy. Uh, I know we haven't seen it on the field just yet, but if, Ryan Poles is willing to take him 10th overall in the real draft. I think Ryan Poles would take him 6th overall in this draft, and uh, I think that he's just going to be he, – he has to not so much be a leader on this team in his first year, but has to be one of those guys that sets the tone on what protecting Justin Fields really means. Yeah, I agree with that, and it's so important – to have that continuity up front. I mean, you could take anybody along the offensive line. That was a direction I was thinking of going to because Darnell Wright this in this coming season, like we know that Braxton Jones had the trial by fire as a rookie playing every single snap on offense and yeah. doing remarkably well considering his learning curve and how much deeper it probably is than someone like Darnell Wright who played at Tennessee, who went against NFL caliber talent like Will Anderson, um, all the time. And Jones came out just fine from his rookie season. And now, like, there's no question that he is the left tackle. That is his spot going forward. Now, for Darnell Wright, he's already passed the test of showing, like, the buy-in. I mean, they wouldn't have done as much research with the workout that they did uh, the weekend after Easter and, like, really tried to make him tap out if they want to see – like, he's shown them, okay, come come game day when it gets really, really challenging. And there might be moments where adversity strikes. How are you going to handle it? But he's shown them, at least in, like, you know, pretty high-stakes situation. Like, they might draft you, they might not draft you. And yeah. they did. He's shown them that they, he can handle those things. And to be able to have a player, like, I know the left tackle spot is always talked about so much. It's, like, the premier position on the offensive line. Don't sleep on the right tackles, though. Think about how many of them. I mentioned Mike McGlinchey earlier. Brian O'Neill is one of the highest paid right tackles in the NFL. It's still a critically important position and has carries as much value, at least from the financial perspective, that left tackles do. So if you get somebody in here who can, you know, shine as a rookie, probably deal with some of the, you know, bumps and bruises when, you know, going up against talented edge rushers. And of course, you know, in in the division alone. Think about it. He's going to have to face Aiden Hutchinson twice a year. He's going to have to face Daniil yep. Hunter twice a year. Green Bay has like how many? Well, maybe. Hunters? We'll see. We'll see about um, the Daniil Hunter. <laughs> I mean, that like the division's tough and Ed Rushers are like, re- that's a, such a, it's such a hard, like for, for rookie tackles and, you know, those people who are responsible for protecting the quarterback. Like when you have a division that constantly like has really good pass rushers, that's a big test on your offensive line and the strength of your offensive line. So taking Darnell right there, I think is a really, really smart pick because if this season pans out, like you could have a trajectory where you have a 10 year veteran on this team and a franchise player along the offensive line. Yeah. And, and for me, I I love what Braxton did last season. I think that he is going to improve, but I, I came into this season saying I'd rather have a vet at that spot. Mm Mm-hmm. I hope that he proves me wrong. I hope that he proves that, you know, that bull rush isn't going to be too much for him this season. He's worked on that. He's massive, uh, which which I, I I love this Bears offensive line because, like, there was, like, a, a picture of them at training camp, and I was like, 
Are they all like six, five and up? Like these guys are huge. The traits traits thing. Remember when polls said they wanted to get leaner um, body types up front? Like they wanted to be leaner. Like they, they wanted the more athletic build. So Braxton Jones, Darnell Wright, um, you know, the two players, I mean, the players they inherited, Cody Whitehair, Tevin Jenkins, uh, they've been able to fit. And like, you know, the whole idea of like trimming down, like is something that everybody had to buy into, which is why you see the length meeting the athleticism, meaning the body, like in a composition of all these guys up front, like they're all very, very similar in terms of like their physical makeup. No, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this how this line. And my favorite thing about uh, Ryan is it, after the draft, he's like, "Yeah, he's got room to still grow." It's like still grow what? I like, understand how? he's young, like he's twenty one. Um, I don't know when he's <laughs> going to be twenty two. I think it's later this year. But I, if he's not done growing, that's a really scary proposition. <laughs> that is a scary man. That's all I would say, Darnell. Uh, don't hurt us. Uh, so we're at pick number seven of ten already. <laughs> Courtney, you picked the defensive coaching staff. I picked the two defensive decision makers is what we should call that. Defensive decision makers with your last pick. Let's go with that. Uh, A package deal, ladies and gentlemen. What are you going with for your fourth overall pick? Well, before free agency, before the draft, the biggest news in Chicago after the season ended was who was going to be responsible for guiding the direction of this team from like the holistic standpoint of like the entire organization. So I'm going Kevin Warren, Bears CEO and team president with my fourth overall pick. I mean, I'm kind of surprised he's still on the board. Um, I understand we have a lot to choose from here, but he is so vital to what they are building. And over the next couple months, weeks, couple months, how many more cities try to get involved in, you know, where the Bears could potentially be playing? in 2027 you know, let's just throw out a date and think like all right four three four five years from now where's the new stadium kevin warren's going to be the one letting us all know what that answer is because he's the one helping this team get out of soldier field and go somewhere else and have the experience that you know the premier franchises in the nfl do it's not just the stadium though he's responsible for you know all, all thing, all sides of the business, as, all business aspects of this team, but also with his relationship with Ryan Poles and how well that pairing has already worked out together. I look at Kevin Warren and see somebody who has the power to shift a franchise in the right direction and get a franchise that has been so stuck in its own ways for so long. Like, get them out of that rut. Show them, like, lead them to water. Like, in that... Just like it's such an undertaking, but if there's anybody who can do it, like the on-field product is of critical importance. That's the you know the buck stops with like whether the team's good or not, but everything else, the brand, the direction the team's going, how the team's being steered in a different direction now that they have new voices, new perspectives, and all of those things in one person. Yeah, that's pivotal for like how this team is going to be able to make decisions, and you know have the right people in place to do these jobs, to pull off these moves. No, a hundred percent. Kevin Warren's going to be instrumental um, to the organization that is the Chicago bears. And I think that for the first time, well, it's not even a thing for the first time ever, 
We've got a guy who's not associated with the Bears organization before, who's been in big business situations before, who's been in brand building situations before, who's been in stadium building situations before, who's putting the team. The, you you got me. You got me before I was going to. That was my next pick. I'm not going to lie to you. You kind of did me dirty on that one. That was the first one where I was like, ah, she stole that away from me. Uh, but but it's Kevin, a, such a good pick because of the, like, listen, yeah. all those things you just mentioned, all the things he's responsible for. So often with team presidents, like we really don't hear that much about like their role on a day-to-day basis. You just mentioned like five things that speak to the bigger picture here of what the Bears want to do, which is do business differently than they've done in the past. Otherwise, they never would have gone outside the organization. They would have probably promoted from within. And that's not saying that there were not people that were qualified for the job. But you went and got a game changer in Kevin Warren. You got a power broker, one of the most influential people in sports, and ask them, hey, they they wouldn't have done this if they didn't feel that it was so necessary to go out and get somebody who can swoop in and save the day in a lot of different respects. And those are the guys that I I know we don't think about it in this sense, but that money that pays a lot of these players, those guys generate that. (laughs) That that money that gets, you know, your salary cap, uh, make sure that it's in order. Those guys generate that. So I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, very much like, uh, you know, when Joe, when Joe Burrow, all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we got to make some decisions here because we got to pay this guy because he's going to be here for a while. Uh, it's, it's good to see, uh, Kevin Warren, a, 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 big business kind of thinking person Mm -hmm. in an organization that for the most part has been a mom and pop small business kind of organization. Uh, This does put me in a bit of a bind here on my eighth pick because like I said, the team that passes over the pick because they forget to turn in the card or they run out of time. (laughs) You have a whole (laughs) roster, a whole front office, a whole coaching staff to choose from. I do. I do. It, It would be, it would be tough. You know what? I I'm uh. I'm going to keep it simple, stupid, on this one. I'm not going to lie to you. Second-year player here. Uh, I think a, a dominant player. I've already got Tremaine Edmonds on my defense. Uh, he led the team in sacks last season. I'm going to go Jaquan Brisker. I think that Jaquan Brisker is a guy where you can put other players next to him who don't have to be as talented. He will be one of those DBs that we talk about that's just a guy that makes plays. And to me, right, like when when I see what Jaquan did for Eddie Jackson, bringing the resurgence of Eddie Jackson back, just allowing him to play free because Jaquan could do all of the, okay, I'll be down here. Nope, I'll cover this guy. Nope. Hey, you just be the ball hawk in this situation. I got your back on this one if you end up missing it right like i think that he does so much on a defense he's so versatile he can cover he can attack the quarterback he can play and cut or he can uh, uh um he can make big hits you know he's a guy that looks for those big hits as well i think jaquan brisker is an easy pick to make here and i think he's gonna have a heck of a second year um I think him and Kyler Gordon are going to be two people that we look at this season where we are talking about one possibly being a defensive player of the year and one possibly being a uh, um, what am I trying to say? Most improved player of the year. So I'm going to I'm going to go Jaquan Brisker on this one. Yeah, no, I mean, he's kind of the glue guy back there in the secondary. And that's a role that he assumed very early on. That's not to say that there aren't leadership qualities in Jalen Johnson or Kyler Gordon or Eddie Jackson or, you know, Tyreek Stevenson, but Jaquan Brisker means a lot to this defense. He is such a pivotal part of what they do in the secondary and that cohesion secondary really starts and ends with him. That's somebody they looked at and said, you can be, 
a pro perennial Pro Bowl safety, play here for 10 seasons and be part of this defense because he's he's got the buy-in factor. He's got the the effort factor. I mean, the guy plays 100 miles an hour, and he is so dominant in the way that he's able to you know, adapt, play in multitude of positions, whether he's, you know, the deep safety on one play, might be up in the box, he might be covering a tight end. Like, he's done so much, and he's still so yeah. young. So, you know, buying his stock now by drafting him with your fourth pick, imagine where that'll be in a couple years, barring, in, you know, barring injury, anything else. I mean, that could be, we could look back on this mock draft when we're doing another one of these uh, during the summertime of 2028. And be thinking, wow, remember the time Pat picked Jaquan Brisker with his fourth overall pick? It was a good one. It was a good one. It, it, I wish that I could get paid off of it just like he can. Uh, I think that I think he's going to be Jaquan to me is the beginning steps of how this defense gets to the next level mm -hmm. of how this defense gets to. OK, who are those blue chip players? I think that he is right. That blue chip player. He is that guy where, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going Troy Palomalo. I'm not going all the way in on this thing. Right. But I do think that he's going to be a player that we talk about defensively on this bears team for a long, long time. And I, I hope that, uh, hope that I, this pick works out for me, but as we've come to your final pick, Courtney, where are you going with the ninth overall pick? What are okay. your thoughts? A little unorthodox, but you. This was probably not on your draft board. You gonna pick the entire offensive side this time? <laughs> no, just no. I'm just, no. <laughs> just throwing shade at you're like just trying to pick off my draft board. But don't worry, I won't steal a pick of yours because I'm going with Andre Tucker, who is the head athletic trainer of this team. Okay, you got two yeah. wide receivers right now whose health is still somewhat in question. We've been told the timeline for Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney is for them to get back to training camp. But who knows? The person who's yeah. tasked with help making sure these guys get from the rehabilitation field onto the actual playing field is the person who's like, you know, moderating and maintaining all of their rehab work in the training room. Eddie Jackson gave the strength and condi or the uh, training staff a ton of credit for helping him get back without surgery from the Liz Frank injury. And I remember asking him last week at OTA at minicamp, you know, backpedaling is kind of a big deal for like your position. And you just, yeah. you injured the part of like part of your foot. That's like responsible for like the, the, the step like of that, like, and in order for him to be confident in his physical abilities to do that, to play at a high level, it's the support staff that you have to get these players back on their feet quickly, mind you, that's just so pivotal. Go back to last year. I know that, you know, when Justin Fields injures his, his non-throwing shoulder in Atlanta, doesn't play the next week against the Jets, he comes back rather quickly, though. And some of that is just, you know, you guys heal, whatever, and you didn't need surgery or anything like that. But that's a lot of the training staff and the person who's orchestrating that to make sure that these players can be performing through injury, through whatever they're dealing with physically and getting them back to as close to like full health as possible. So when you have Chase Claypool uh, dealing with a couple different things, according to Matt Eberflus, yeah. the guy who's going to help him get through those couple of different things and come up with a plan of, okay, you need to be, we want you here by this date in your rehabilitation. We want you here by training camp is the guy who's pulling all the strings behind the scenes. So I know that it's a weird pick. Probably you weren't expecting me to throw you that sort of curveball, but he it, was not on my list. <laughs> 
we talked about the most important bears. Like yeah. he is a bear and he's part of this. And, you know, they, this team's fortunately been really like decently like lucky with like, there was no, I mean, there, yeah, there's some injuries at the end of the year, Jack Sanborn, Jalen Johnson, Justin was yeah. dealing with the shoulder, Mooney, Eddie Jackson, but it wasn't like from like the very jump, like that they were like missing a ton of players. The Lucas Patrick thing was completely unfortunate and just kind of a freak thing that that happens the first day of camp. But having the staff in place, a training staff to help guys, somebody that, you know, that players trust that like they're doing the right thing by them and their health, that's the key to having a full roster. And that's exactly what this team needs, particularly on offense right now, because it's, it's DJ Moore and then who? So we need to, if you're the Bears, you say we need to fix that then who part by getting Chase Claypool back, by getting Darnell Mooney back. And, you know, hoping that if hamstring issues pop up for Valus Jones again, that they can work him right back into the mix rather quickly. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I like the pick. I think it's a, a solid pick. I'm not going to lie to you, though. There were a lot of injuries that were day-to-day that turned into IR last season. Mm-hmm. I'm just a just little, little nerve-wracking on that one. I, I feel like you're taking a chance on that one. <laughs> but it's not a bad pick at all. I, I mean, here's the thing at the end of the day. Health is health is what's going to change this team positively or negatively, right? Yeah. Like. And that's every team in the NFL. We come into this every offseason, right? And we're sitting here and we're on paper. This is this. And this makes this guy better. And this guy is going to propel the Minnesota Vikings or the Green Bay Packers or whoever it is. And realistically, right, if that guy's not there, that team is completely different. We're talking about that team in a completely different sense. Sometimes that happens week one. Sometimes that happens week three. And your entire goal is just to get those guys back on the field because that does change the trajectory of your season. Andre Tucker is going to be he he's a he's a twenty four seven on the yep. clock guy basically. Yeah, so him and staff, and I would name all of his staff members, but then you'd yell at me and say that like I took both. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I will allow him. Very important. I will allow him to bring his staff with him. I will allow that. I feel yep. like for the third pick, you could have just went Matt Eberflus, and he can bring his coaching staff. Like I would. <laughs> Fair. If you want to go back and you want to like you know tweak that. <laughs> it is- but I, we shall survive. We Andre shall survive. Curtis, the safeties coach, is going to be working with the scheme of like how they're rushing the passer. So I was trying to be specific, but if you want, you were specific want to- with it. You were specific with it. I'm not mad at it. I appreciate the specifics of it. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I look at my team and uh, I got this last pick here. I don't believe in drafting running backs high, but. Uh, I think this guy is going to be pretty high in the Bears organization based on how my first overall pick, Ryan Poles, uh, talked about. Um, I think that he is going to be a uh, pillar of uh, at least what we do for the next couple of seasons. I don't know if he's going to be an organizational pillar. I don't believe that running backs really are that anymore. I guess Derrick Henry maybe. But, like, if, you, yeah. if you're running back your organizational pillar, you, you might be in a bad situation. But I'm going to go Roshan Johnson, another young guy here. Um, keeping this team young. Um, because one, I need some offense on this team. And two, I really believe that Roshan Johnson is going to be a next level type of running back. That guy that you found late. Oh, not really late. I mean, what? Kind of, not really. I mean, that's a, that's a, they, they made sure when they traded back that day from like the first spot in the fourth round, they didn't go too yeah. far because they wanted to yeah. have the opportunity to have him on the roster. They didn't think he would have been there much longer. Yeah, so I, I, I look at him as a guy who, one, is going to be pivotal to me in Justin Fields' development in the long run. I think that he's I, – I, I, I said this with McKee a couple of times. I said, we're going to be in training camp. There's going to be a play where mm-hmm. probably Khalil Herbert and or Deontay Foreman, you know, 
aren't the best run blockers here. And the coaching staff is going to look at it and go, Justin would have died there. <laughs> okay, Roshan, it's your turn now. <laughs> so I think that he's going to be a pretty pivotal piece in what this Bears offense is going to do heading towards the future. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to take this is technically an end of the draft pick, so I didn't pick him too high, but I am going to take Roshan Johnson uh, moving forward. By the way, I, I got to ask you this: You saw him? Is he six foot or six two? What's going on here? Like he lost two inches when he got to the Bears. He's been six two his entire life. In what and now he's in Chicago and he's six feet tall. Remember we were talking about this with um, Bryce Young, the 5'10", 5'11 thing. Yeah. I was like, somebody's listening to him as six foot. And, and to Carolina's credit, they did not. But yeah. uh, that's – maybe we can chop that up to an accounting error, but that'll be fun to, like, get – you know – stand next to him at training camp at some point and be like, hey, like, how tall are you really? I just, I always find roster changes like that very interesting. Weight, we understand it. Weight fluctuates. Yeah. Height usually doesn't. Not in your 20s when you're- He you lost know, two inches. <laughs> prime prime age of like, you're not like, you know, running on pavement for like 40 years and then all of a sudden you shrink. That's why I said, I was like, is there a different cleat that's allowed in college than the NFL? Is this like <laughs> that gives you six, a whole two inches? Yeah, he's six two on turf, but not on grass. So that's why the Bears are switching it up here. Like he sinks more like what? How do you lose to it? I've been trying to figure this out for a while. But yeah, I'm finishing that out with Roshan Johnson. So our 10 right now, Courtney, Justin Field for Courtney, Justin Fields, DJ Moore, the defensive decision makers, Kevin Warren and Andre Tucker. For me, I went Ryan Poles, Tremaine Edmonds, Darnell Wright, Jaquan Brisker, and Roshan Johnson. You guys let us know in the comments below which team do you like. I think that this is a pretty good list of probably your 10 most important Bears heading into the season. Though These are the people we've talked about the most. These are the people that, well, maybe not the, the uh, uh, athletic trainer, but I guess realistically... He's probably the guy we should be talking about a little bit more. The, but, they are uh, always among the most important people in the building. So I just figured, like, it's my draft. I'm going to draft him. I love it. I love the out-of-the-box thinking on that. Let us know in the comments below which team you would rather start your five with. Your And let us know your top five Bears uh, heading into this season. As always, for Courtney Cronin, this is what Pat the Designer back at it again. And that is a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bird on. Peace. Thank you.